I thought that, you know, I can spend a lot of money making mistakes on my own, or I can just have the sunk cost up front and, and chalk it up to education. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guest, I want to mention FunNet Flip because FunNet Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on, uh, or the main two things, are the deal and the money. Uh, so if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, uh, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt. And uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, so go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. My name is Joe Fairless, and we've got a wonderful episode for you coming up. Uh, and this show is all about cutting out the fluff and getting straight to the good stuff and getting to the best real estate investing advice ever that moves your business forward. We've talked to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And now we have the pleasure of speaking to Matt Orff. How are you doing, Matt? I'm great, Joe. How are you? Doing very well. And thank you for joining us. Matt is based in Kansas City, Kansas. He's a full-time real estate investor who's focused on buy and holds. He also does some fix and flips, and he's got a couple wholesale deals under his belt as well. He has five rental properties, and um, specifically he's done three flips and as well, as, as I mentioned, some wholesale deals. He's also non-real estate related, a certified Six Sigma black belt, which uh, before we started recording, he was educating me on that. It's not karate, like some of you might be thinking, and as I was guilty of thinking whenever I asked him, it's actually a, as he says, a high-level discipline methodology for systems integration, communication, and problem solving, originated in the manufacturing industry and um, now is prevalent throughout corporate America. With that being said, Matt, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Sure, Joe. Hi, best ever listeners. Um, Joe, real quick, just a quick correction. We are in Kansas City, Missouri. We are on the good side. Oh, <laughs> okay. Go Royals. But other than that, yeah, um, as far as uh, background goes, you know, I spent 17 years of my life in corporate America working for Harley-Davidson Motor Company in a lot of different roles, but primarily in a project manager position or um, a continuous improvement position. So, my main focus was on uh, improving systems and processes and eliminating defects throughout all of our different areas of the company. 
So let's talk a little bit about what you transferred over from your 17 years at Harley, having those responsibilities to now a full-time real estate investor. So after, oh, I don't know, about the 16th year at Harley-Davidson, I started to really question, uh, am I happy in that position, that role, doing the job that I was doing? And ultimately, the answer was no. So a lot of soul searching and um, finally made the decision to get into real estate investing through reading some books, two of them in particular, which a lot of people are familiar with, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. But then another one um, is called Escape from Cubicle Nation by Pamela Slim. And when I read that, it was really, it really hit home with me and helped me make that decision to leave the comfortable weekly paychecks and benefit structure that they had there and really just venture out on my own. So real estate investing was my my choice to get into as far as a, a career goes, I guess. But I had a lot of desire to get into real estate. I've always been at a arm's length from it as far as buying property, um, living in them, obviously, and fixing it up, and then turn around and selling it. So I got into it pretty deep right off the bat, purchased our first um, flip, and learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a whole lot through that process. And, you know, eventually just started um, understanding that I didn't know everything about this business. And it was there was a lot to learn. And what I took from I started to lean back on my Six Sigma experience and my certification that really everything has processes and systems that should be built into it. And everything is measurable within those processes. So I took that experience and that expertise and started developing systems within my real estate investing business, automating anything that I could wherever it applied within those processes. And once I did that, I started to understand that one is a lot less laborious because you're not doing these repetitive tasks on your own every day, but that there's a lot of systems and processes within real estate investing that you can automate or create to measure your level of success and then ultimately continuously improve those processes and systems to eliminate as many defects or possibility of defects as possible. What are you measuring right now? Uh, a lot of what we're measuring is, so days on market. Are you talking about in your flipping, fix and flip business? Yeah. Days on market? Yeah, pretty much in the fix and flip. There's So there's different measurables in each each system that you set up, depending on what it is. Fix and flip market is completely different than a buy and hold market. And then wholesaling has completely different measurables. So without getting into the specifics of each one of those, from a high level, it's more about how you integrate all your process, your systems for each one of those processes. All right. Well, let's let's get into the specifics. I think we have a little bit of time. So for buy and hold, let's talk about that. What is the process that you've implemented and what specifically do you measure to automate the process? So to automate the process, you know, obviously you want to have all your spreadsheets set up to where um, they're in one location where you're you're measuring. I'll just go through some of the target data that we measure. Um, obviously, purchase price, rehab costs, um, you know, what's what's your ARV um, based off of comps, um, you know, what's your cash down, what's the monthly rent expected from that property, you know, do you have a mortgage on that property, or are you going to have private money, what's your rate of return for each of those, your cash on cash, if you have cash involved. So really plugging in all those numbers into some sort of a system where you can just plug those numbers in every time you have a deal because it's reoccurring on every single one. You need to do the analysis on every single one. And then having your target identified of where you want to be for each one of those projects or properties, let's say, 
And that way you can quickly plug in that information and, and understand if it's something you need to invest in or not. Does it meet your goals or your criteria to move forward? So really it's more about the back end. Where are you storing those documents? Is there a backup for those documents? If I want to automate that or hire someone to run those numbers from a real estate investment perspective and I want to take a step back, how do I train that person? Do I have best practices in place? or job aids, or what we used to call work instructions in place, where that employee can go refer to those if they have questions. And they can run the process on their own without a lot of added effort from you know, finding me and asking me questions. I'm actually providing a system that anyone can work in in that, that system itself because they have the documents there to answer their questions, and they know where to refer to those. So having a spreadsheet in one location and making sure the spreadsheet is inclusive of all the information that you need to know in order to analyze a property. That's right. And then, you know, taking it one step further, how to operate each one of those. You know, what's the what's the equation that you use? What what should the cell in that spreadsheet be doing? So taking it a step further and really identifying deep down in the process, how do each one of those functions work? Documenting that and having it available for that operator, whoever's operating that spreadsheet, to refer to if they have questions to make sure that the process is understood and it's operating the same way every single time. Will you give an example there? So in your Excel spreadsheet, you have um, a cell that has a formula built into it that's supposed to calculate your cash on cash return. For some reason, someone does something to that and it's not calculating properly or they need to refer to, you know, what is it really doing for me? So having a backup document that helps really explains to that operator what is that cell doing and what should it be doing. So if it gets changed, they can correct it and get back to where the process should be instead of having something that's out of the process uh, norm. And now let's talk about wholesale. What's the process you have implemented there and what are you measuring? So wholesales, uh, which we don't do a lot of, that's not where our focus is right now. Basically, it's primarily on um, buy and hold. But from a wholesale standpoint, you know, we're looking at, um, you know, let's say you're doing marketing. What was the you know, percent of open mail or um, return phone calls off of that market? And then measuring that data and to say, OK, what do we need to change now? One thing, we're going to change one thing in this next marketing game plan and measure it to see if it actually improved or decreased our percentage of, you know, whatever that may be, uh, opens or reads or return calls or ultimately, you know, in the end, you really want to know how many properties did you wholesale. And what about fix and flip? Fix and flip, you're, so definitely you're measuring, you know, days on market for that property. Um, is that area a uh, quick days on market or is it a slow days on market? What are our carrying costs, our renovation costs? What did we do this time versus last time? And every time when we look at those numbers, we try to identify how can we get better? How can we do better? So we have teams in place from a, a renovation standpoint that we use over and over. And those processes that we have established with them are almost the same every single time. And if something changes in those processes, we need to understand what it was and was it a, a good change or was it a, a bad change? What's one way that you've looked at those numbers and then improved on the numbers after analyzing where you're at with the fix and flips? One of the first projects we did 
with our last general contractor, there was a lot of undefined items that should have been included in the renovation costs. So we didn't learn that until we got to the end of the project. And through measuring that and identifying in every area of the house where there should be some sort of renovation or possible renovation, on the front end, we defined very clearly what was included in the overall quote. But in the end, there were things that were missed or left out. And not just what we call ahas or surprises, but that are in every uh, fix and flip. But in the end, there were a lot of things that weren't included that were additional costs. So it impacted our, our targets. So what we did after, after that project is we really put you know, language in the contract to prevent that from happening or at least limit our exposure from the cost standpoint. When you're looking at your business, you know, you've got wholesale, buy and hold, and, and fix and flips. What type of properties in general are you seeing in Kansas City? And do you only invest in Kansas City? And where have you seen the market go from when you first started looking at properties to where that you're, they're at now? So the purchase price on properties is, is fairly consistent in Kansas City. There's not a lot of fluctuation, and that's one of the reasons why it continues to be a great market. The market rents, though, continue to increase. And, you know, a lot of that's due to, you know, demand. There's not a lot of, uh, well, put it this way, there's a lot of millennials moving to Kansas City for tech jobs and entrepreneurial startups. We're uh, a very tech-based city anymore. We've had a lot of growth. And, the, you know, a lot of the rental market is is getting gobbled up and there's just limited housing here. So, to answer your other question, I have a duplex in New York as well, so I don't just invest in Kansas City. We're up for, for other markets, but primarily my main focus is Kansas City right now before we grow it outside of, of this area. Where in New York and how did you end up with that? Uh, Niagara Falls, and it was a turnkey rental property. Okay, so turnkey rental property, How you did you find it through a turnkey provider? I did. Which one? Return on rental. Return on rental. Okay. And how's it performing for you? It's performing well. There were... Why are you laughing? (laughs) There were some... uh, It was my first venture into turnkey rental. And, um, you know, there's a lot of of things that I thought could have went a lot better. Um, But, you know, we've worked through those. And now we're starting to see cash flow out of that property. So ultimately, in the end, I'm happy with it. But, you know, it's... I think in the beginning of any process, there's there's not a lot of you know integration between the way we think things should be done and then the way they're actually done. So I think it's it's coming to some sort of middle ground and understanding how does their process work and how can you fit it into your processes. With that property, what are the numbers behind it? The numbers behind it. So it is a duplex generating about five hundred per door, so about a thousand in rents per month. And we picked it up at a 60000 purchase price. So the way it's structured is we have a 8% property management fee for that local property manager in that area. And we did that through a self-directed IRA. Okay, 60000 purchase price. It rents each side rents for 500 or it profits 500 each side? It's 1000 total rent. Per month coming in before expenses. Got it. Okay. And how much did you have to put in to get it moving ready or how much have you had to put in since you've had it? Well, with a turnkey rental property, 
it normally most of the time is already tenanted and it is already rehabbed. So there are no other uh, sunk costs in it. Um, so that was it. And when did you buy it? It was February of 2015 when we closed. Okay. Got it. All right. And, you know, based on all of your holds, you've got five of them. So are you, in, are you including the duplex as two or one? That is two. Two. Okay. So you have three other, are they three single family homes? Yes, that's correct. And that's where our focus is right now. And with the three single family homes, which one is your best purchase and which one is your worst purchase? Best purchase was a wraparound mortgage. The investor who had that property basically was fed up with it and had not had it rented for two years, but was still making payments on it out of his own pocket. A contact of mine through the bank who held his mortgage gave me a call and said, are you interested? And I said, I sure am. So I sat down with the owner and we worked out a wraparound mortgage and we have it tenanted now and it's cash flowing. So that's the best deal. Uh, Worst deal. Before you go into the worst deal, can you define wraparound mortgage and were you familiar with that approach before your friend reached out to you about it? Sure. So... A wraparound mortgage, basically, you leave the seller's funding in place and you write up the mortgage. They sign over the deed to you and you take over the payments on their mortgage. So you keep the existing mortgage in place and continue to make payments on it. I would highly recommend that you speak to that mortgage holder and make sure that they are okay with that before doing it. I knew a lot about it beforehand from people who I had had worked with and uh, had a lot of good coaching advice from before I jumped into the business. And what's the difference between that and a lease to own? Lease to own would be, is more for, from my understanding, where someone would live in the property and then their rent would eventually pay it off or they would have an option to buy it at a certain point. But um, as an investor, I'm not living in that property and I'm turning it into a rental, but there's already an existing mortgage on it. So I don't hold, I hold the deed on the property, but there's a lien on it, obviously from the mortgage company. So they still hold, hold the lien on it. They own it. Okay. Got it. So either way, someone else is is still paying the mortgage. So lease to own, if I do a lease to own to you, then I'm paying the mortgage, but you're making payments to me. And then with the wraparound, if I'm doing a wraparound, if you have the property and I, I want to purchase it via wraparound, then you still hold the mortgage, but I'm making payments directly to the lender. Is that correct? I think I'm understanding what you're saying. From a wraparound mortgage perspective, the seller's financing stays in place. Right. Yep. And then the buyer simply makes those payments on behalf of the seller. Or the buyer makes those payments to the deed holder, which would be me now, and I make those directly to the bank. Got it. And you can structure it either way? That's correct. All right. And now the worst purchase. Worst purchase from a rental standpoint, I would say is unforeseen yet. We just closed on a property this last week, and we are um, in the process of starting renovation to get a, a tenant in there, to get a tenant in and get a rent ready. So, so far, I I don't think it's really a bad one, but uh, just in the shape that the property's in, it's going to need quite a bit of work, but but it's going to be a great property and a great rental once we get done. It's just not pretty yet. It's not at all. (laughs) All right. What's your best real estate investing advice ever? So, Joe, I think there's, 
you know, the best piece of advice I can give is to educate yourself on, you know, what the opportunities are and not be afraid to get out there and just do it. I think, you know, now is the right time. There's never a better time than now. And, you know, we get into, uh, you know, our fears really prevent us from taking action. But if you have a coach to educate you on your journey and, and help you take those steps and hold your hand, it's a lot less fearful. And over time, you become a lot more confident and eventually confident enough to take that action on your own. And it, it's not fearful anymore because you've already done it. So the best piece of advice I can give is to get a coach or a mentor, someone who's who's done it or is doing it, is successful at it, that you trust, and just start taking the steps and taking the action now. I hear of a lot of individuals who are like, oh, I'd love to get into real estate investing, but I just don't know what to do or I'm afraid to get involved. Well, one of the, you know, my business falls into two different things. I also coach other investors or people who want to get involved in the business. And that basically falls into two categories. There's passive investors. They basically don't want to really be a real estate investor, but they want to real estate. They want to invest in real estate. So I educate them on how they can use different financial opportunities to fund their retirement or create cash flow. And that helps me fund my business to acquire additional rental properties. So we structure those in a couple of different ways. But then there's also active investors who really, they want to be a real estate investor and they want to do this. They want to build a business or at least um, some systems and processes so that they can get involved in the real estate investment game and do that full time. So primarily what I do with those passive or those active investors is I help them develop um, a strategy based off of their goals. We, we really sit down and we define their goals of where do they want to be? What do they want long-term wealth growth or do they want passive income so they don't have to do their nine to five day job anymore? So we develop their goals and then we develop a strategy around those goals to help them achieve really where they want to go. So we develop processes and systems that help them achieve their end results. And then I'm, I'm there with them all the way through it. I'm on a retainer. I, I'm there to help them through and hold their hands. So that takes away a lot of the fear that I talked about a minute ago. How many mentors do you have right now that you pay? Early on, I signed up for mentoring and I thought that um, I looked at it in a different light. I thought that, you know, I can spend a lot of money making mistakes on my own or I can just have the sunk cost up front and, and chalk it up to education and have a mentor who really helps me identify where the pitfalls are and help me avoid those and someone I can lean on when I'm having some hesitancy on pulling the trigger on some deals. So how many mentors right now do you have that you pay? Just one. Got it. And how did you select that mentor? I had a couple that I could have selected and chose, but this one I, I chose because of their how comfortable I felt with them, the trust factor that we had built. They have been doing it for a while, and you know our, our time is, is almost gone. I, they're still there. I can talk to them whenever I need to, but I have enough experience now from going through all these different processes and the different opportunities that are out there in real estate investing. You know, There's wholesaling, there's fix and flips, and there's buy and hold, and I'm, and I'm really doing them all. So I feel comfortable now after doing the first couple of deals where I'm comfortable enough where I'm doing these things on my own. I know how the systems work. I know what to look out for. I know how to analyze the deals properly. So once you build that, you surround yourself with the right team, I think your processes should run themselves and you you know exactly what you should and shouldn't do. 
in a deal, so it makes it a lot less fearful. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I think I am. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health, and they make the whole process really easy, and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you, and on average, they can save you 400 bucks a year, and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? The decision to leave corporate America and that what I really learned from it is that you don't have to rely on someone else. It really gives you enough, a lot of confidence to just get out on your own and do what you really want to do. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Best ever project I'm excited about is this uh, newest acquisition and turning it into a, a very safe, comfortable, and great place for a family to to live in. Best ever way you like to give back? I think my mission is really to educate others and on the options that there are besides the nine to five and traditional retirement structure that's out there. And what's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far? Biggest mistake was my best mistake, and that was to just pull the trigger on our first flip. I learned so much. We we broke even when we finally sold that property uh, about uh, 10 months after we put it on the market, but it was a great education, and good learning experience for us. What's one specific thing you learned from it? Definitely make sure that people on your team are the right people going into it. And how have you changed your approach to now make sure that you have the right people on your team? What specifically do you do? I think you go through a vetting process. You, through the experience of working with them, you can find out, you know, who who they really are, what they do, and what they do well. And um, talking to other individuals, getting referrals, and making sure that they did a good job for them. During that vetting process, in addition to the referrals that you check, what are questions, or how do you determine who they are, what they do, and what they do well, other than just ask them? When talking to to other individuals who have utilized them in their business, I would also ask the non-traditional questions of, you know, do they do a good job? But are they, you know, are they trustworthy? Were they on time? Were they late? How was their craftsmanship? Can I actually view their craftsmanship? Just a lot of -of out-of-the-box questions other than the, the traditional norm. Got it. And what's the best ever place for the listeners to reach you? Two ways, either by email or phone. My email is Matthew at CarboniteProperty.com or on my cell phone at 816-308-1682, either for coaching or for wealth building. And do you have a website? I do. It's www.CarboniteProperty.com. C-A-R-B-O-N-I-T-E Property.com? That's correct. Okie doke. Well, Matt, thank you for being on the show and sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and talking about the three different approaches that you take, fix and flip, wholesale, and buy and hold. You've got those five properties right now. One of them, um, or I guess two units in New York in Niagara Falls on the wholesale deal, 60000 purchase price, eight, and then, and then each, uh, each of the sides are running for 500 apiece. 
and in theory it was uh, you know uh, no no money into it. it sounds like there there might be some dollars that were spent um, during the first portion of of that um, based on kind of reading in between the lines of, of what you were mentioning but it sounds like now as the dust settled it's been a good cash flowing property so congrats on that and then you know with the the vetting process of your team members as you mentioned at the very end how to vet them and you know one of your tips that you just said was ask non-traditional questions were they on time were they late how's their craftsmanship can I take a look at it? And then also talking about the wraparound mortgage that you did, your best purchase, where you had your friend who's a bank contact reach out to you. Then you met with the, the owner, the current owner, and um, you left the seller's funding in place and you made payments on it. Definitely speak to the mortgage holder, as you mentioned. So thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything you want to mention to the best ever listeners before we sign off? No, I would just say get out there and pull the trigger. Don't wait. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And really quick, best ever listeners, one of my clients has a property. It's an off-market property if you're interested in multifamily. Uh, it's 18 units in Richmond, Virginia. And you can email him. His name's Ben. And you can email him. Let's see. His email is blapidus9 at gmail.com. That's B as in boy, L-A-P-I-D-U-S 9 at gmail.com and he can share with you the information on that property. So thanks a lot, Matt. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe.